you need to go into the backyard and practice it and practice it probably a couple times a year because if you're in an emergency situation, that's not when you want to pull the instructions out. Now you're making me worried because I haven't ever practiced that. <laughs> I know. You- <laughs> if something happened to you, I-, I wouldn't even know probably what that was. <laughs> yeah, but if something happened to me, you would just <laughs> crawl under my body. <laughs> Yes. And you would stay warm for a few more hours. <laughs> and I would wait for someone to come and find me. <laughs> this is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and a few misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're discussing the 10 essentials, items that you should have with you when you hike in order to help prevent emergencies and deal with any that might arise. The National Park Service encourages all hikers to know what the 10 essentials are and to carry some version of them in their backpacks when hiking. We'll be explaining the specifics of the list, as well as some particular items that we like to bring with us. And by the end of the episode, we hope you'll have a good understanding why it's so important to pack the 10 essentials so your next adventure won't turn into a misadventure. <laughs> is that what our problem is? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I'm excited to say that hiking season is almost upon us, although I guess that kind of depends what part of the country you live in. Could I? Could I? I'm sorry. Before we get into this, could I ask, why do you have the poop bag next next to your <laughs> cup of coffee what what is is this is there something you need to tell me my toilet to go your toilet to go bag it's what, a what visual are, aid okay yeah okay so that's good for our podcast listeners out there we have visual we're now bringing visual aids to our podcast recording session. I'll describe it in full detail in a bit. We're, no, not, no. we're not ready for the toilet to go yet. Okay. That's that's coming up in a little bit. So that's something to be excited about. But what, as I was saying, saying, I was saying that it's hiking season some places in the country already. For us, we have to wait to hike in the mountains until the snow melts. So it's going to be another maybe month or two or three. But uh, But we can hike in the low areas for sure. Lower elevations, we can get out and hike. Mm-hmm. So we thought this would be a good time to talk about the 10 essentials that you should carry with you in your backpack. The 10 essentials. There's a lot more than 10. There's 10 categories of essentials. I was going through our list before we started recording here, and there's a lot of stuff here. We have more like the 100 essentials, don't we? <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. You know, I, I keep trying to cut the list down because I don't want to carry a whole bunch of stuff with me, but you really don't want to leave these things behind. No. You really, these, these are truly essentials. So we'll go through them all. And Yeah. So what they are basically, we'll talk specifics in a minute, but it's a collection of first aid and emergency items that can help you in the event of uh, if you get injured, if the weather changes all of a sudden, if you get lost. So these are basic items that you should have with you when you hike. And when you listen to the list and as we describe them, just know that depending on what time of year you might want to adjust, if you're snowshoeing in the winter, you adjust the list. But also, even in the summertime, and this happens a lot to us because we hike in the mountains, it can be summer when you start and it's winter when you get to the top of the trail that you're hiking and then you hike back down to summer. And when you're deciding what items to bring in this following list that we're going to talk about, you need to consider factors like what is the weather going to be like? What's the difficulty of the hike? What's the duration of the hike? And I think what's most important is what is the distance you're going to be away from help, away from somebody coming to save you? Right. <laughs> are you on a crowded trail? Or are you in the middle of nowhere? Yep. All right. So should we get into it? Let's get started. Karen, what is our first category? Our first category is navigation. So that would include things like maps, a compass, and a GPS system. 
I have talked about this often in our podcast. One of the things that I carry that I absolutely love is the Gaia GPS app. And sometimes I, I have mentioned it and it's just said Gaia app. There is a Gaia app that's unrelated to GPS. So if you're if you're searching in the app store, it's Gaia, G-A-I-A, GPS app. And so essentially it uses your phone as a map, as a compass. Um, and the good thing about this app is you can download maps before you go on your hike and it doesn't require cell service once you're out there because it's using the GPS on your phone to show you where you're, you're at. So that's one way to take care of your navigation needs. However, electronics can fail. Well, yeah, and they, they can eventually run out of... Uh, they can run out of battery. Mm-hmm. They can get wet and just stop working. Uh, you could drop it. You could dro- <laughs> drop it. There, there's a lot of ways that an electronic device uh, doesn't work. And so that's why we also always recommend a physical paper map. We even carry the national park maps that they give you when you enter the park. Uh, because a lot of times, even if we know the trail we're going to be on and it's clearly marked... A lot of times we'll come to an offshoot and we'll wonder, well, what's that trail? Do we want to try that trail? And if you have the map with you, it you know it will hopefully tell you where that particular trail leads to. And those park maps are pretty good. They are. I know you can buy like National Geographic maps and those are great also, but there's pretty good quality maps that the National Park Service puts out. They have the little brochure, like one third size folded up maps that they give you, but also always get the newsletter because a lot of times in the newsletter, there's even better hiking maps and hiking descriptions. Right. And if you have a chance, and I know we've said this before, but when you go on a hike in the national parks, it's really, really smart to check with the rangers at the visitor center before you go on the hike, because a lot of times the trail could be closed. There could be things you need to know. And I'm just going to say really quickly, because I know we talk a lot and we run out of time, but when we were in Glacier National Park last summer and we were on the very far west, the Polebridge side, we had a hike planned, the Quartz Lake Loop hike, about a 12-mile loop, and we got to Bowman Lake. And we were just about to set off when there was a ranger standing at the lake. And I started chatting with her and I told her what we were going to do. And she said that two nights before a storm had come through and on the Quartz Lake Loop, there were a hundred trees down on the trail. She said you could try to do it, but you would have to climb over all those trees and it would probably take you three days. So just that little tidbit alone saved us from a long, long day. So check with the ranger if you can before you head out on any hike. Another item you you mentioned in navigation is a compass. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's good to have a compass with you. Although if you're really lost and you're navigating by compass, you're probably SOL. So you're, <laughs> Especially us. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, yeah, enjoy your last few days. But no, I'm just kidding. The, uh, the thing you have to know about a compass is, and I didn't fully understand this until we moved to the Pacific Northwest, there is what's called magnetic declination, which means that magnetic north is different than true north. So if you have a map and you know we have to go whatever direction, let's say you have to hike north in order to get back to the trail, and you look at your compass and you follow the arrow on your compass north, that might not be north. Now, every good map that you buy has a little circle on it that most people ignore. Mm -hmm. And that little circle shows you the magnetic declination. So it could be 10% off or 12% off. Here's the other thing to know. It's affected by the landscape. You could get into the middle of a mountain range And the declination could be 45 degrees off. So the reason I bring this up is a compass does not always point north. (laughs) It points to magnetic north. And if you look at a map of magnetic declination, there are parts of Alaska where where magnetic north is straight east. Okay, but what if you want to go south? If you want to go south, are you okay on that? So Karen, (laughs) you need need a, a special compass. That, that points south. <laughs> uh, I don't have a compass. Okay. That's probably well, why. <laughs> yeah. 
that's why it's, I said, if you're navigating by compass, <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. Mm. A point to make here, though, is a more reliable indicator of north, south, east, west is the angle of the sun. Of course, sure. that's, that's different depending on the time of year. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing I will mention in the category of navigation is I carry a Garmin inReach. And a Garmin inReach connects by satellite and not by cell coverage. So it's it's truly emergency. It has an SOS button. Mm-hmm. If, if we press that SOS button, they will come. And that gives me a lot of reassurance. Uh, yeah. Now they will also, you know, charge you a million dollars for, for <laughs> pushing that button. But in some cases, that's worth it. It requires a subscription service, which is not inexpensive, but it allows you to do things like text and hit mm-hmm. the SOS button. I think the um, the peace of mind is is totally worth it. But but let me just go back really quick to the um, the Gaia app because what I think is amazing about this is that if you are setting off on a hike and you get off the trail somehow or there is no trail and you get lost, you can turn around and just retrace the footsteps on the app back to your car, correct? If you hit the record function when you start it, yeah, it... it creates a breadcrumb mm-hmm. and you can and even if you didn't it's got a detailed map of where you're you're at and and we've done that before we, we have we, done we that have gotten lost and had to follow the breadcrumb i mean we did yeah. that at, at, at the wave um, yeah and we did it at the beartooth lake loop yep we would never have found our way out because there was snow over the trail Everywhere. Right. And the only way we got out of that <laughs> loop alive was yep. because of your guy app. <laughs> okay. So did we say everything we wanted to say about navigation? Yes, a whole episode uh, <laughs> on navigation. <laughs> All right. Moving on to sun protection. And that would be things like sunglasses, sunscreen, and a hat. Yeah, sunscreen, I know will sound like parents, but, you know, sunscreen super important and... Lip balm, mm-hmm. you, for, you know, you don't you don't put sunscreen necessarily on your lips, but nothing's worse. Well, <laughs> few things are worse than at the end of the day having really sunburnt lips. Yeah, so you can buy a lip balm that has SPF in it, and boy, does that make a huge difference. And I make sure that not only do I have a hat, I have to get the hats that don't have the vented webbing in the back. That, so they're, they're solid fabric over the whole hat because a lot of the trucker hats that are super popular, and I have, like I always wear trucker hats, but they're vented and mesh in the back and the sun goes right through it and you can sunburn half your head. In a very cool pattern too. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, so I carry at least one extra hat. Always carry a bandana because a bandana, well, you use it for lots of things, but you can always put it over the back of your neck to cover your neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a hat that has a little fold down like safari thing to protect the back of my neck, but I, I don't always have that one with me. So a bandana is great for that. Also be careful in the winter time because when you're hiking and it's cold, I think a lot of people forget that the sun is out and can still burn you. So make sure you have the, the sunscreen and the lip balm and all that good stuff in the winter as well. Is that it? Is that it for sun protection? I know that was really quick. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is a pretty common sense thing that people Mm -hmm. are used to. So use your own judgment. But yeah, it's super important, even on cloudy days, like you said. Yeah, and also the sunglasses, uh, we tend to wear them all the time because they also protect from wind. And a lot of times blowing sand gets in your eyes and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And I don't always do this because... Some people make fun of me, but uh, I have been known to also take a clear set of plastic safety glasses because in a rare occasion, it's windy and maybe cloudy. And so you got sand blowing in your face and I don't want to put my sunglasses on. It's nice to have those those clear safety glasses. And people probably already know this, but for my sunglasses, I just buy the cheapo four in a pack safety sunglasses at Home Depot. I think they're like four pair for 20 bucks or something like that because I don't have to worry about losing them or scratching them or breaking them. And I have four of them and I always have a couple pair everywhere. Right. And what I love about that is Many times I have either forgotten my sunglasses or they or they broke or I lost them. And then you always have an extra pair to hand to me always. And they're lightweight. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're actually really good for hiking. 
Okay, moving on. Next category is insulation. Mm -hmm. So jacket, hat, gloves, rain shell, thermal underwear. I think my my number one tip here, well, I have a couple of tips. (laughs) One is... I always carry my Patagonia Houdini. You love that thing. And we're not sponsored by Patagonia, but it's super lightweight. It packs down very small, and it is surprisingly warm for how thin the fabric is. Mm -hmm. It's a windbreaker, basically, right? Yeah, it's a windbreaker. Yeah, I have one, too. I think the thing to remember is on a lot of hikes, first of all, the weather can change quickly. And second of all... If you're hiking up, say, to the top of a mountain, it's definitely going to be colder up there. Maybe even in the summer, there's snow. So I think you do have to be prepared with warmer clothes in your pack to start layering as necessary. What's on the list here, Matt? Um, I would just say like a fleece jacket, a windbreaker. We always take our raincoats, always, because we just never know if it's going to start raining. Yeah. So on the rain jacket thing, I know that a lot of times in the summer, you get into a stretch where it hasn't rained in two months and you think it's never going to rain again. So the rain jacket hasn't made the last few hikes. One thing we have done in the summer is we'll still carry those cheapo ponchos because they don't weigh much. But if you do get caught in a spot where it starts to rain, it's nice to have that. Now, if it's a summertime and it's warm and you get caught in the rain, it's no big deal. But we've been in the mountains when it's the middle of summer, weather comes in, and when it clouds come in and it starts to rain at elevation, it can be wintertime in a flash. And those cheap ponchos have saved us a couple of times. Yeah, they have. Uh, um, so you keep those in your pack, even if you don't take your, your rain jacket. Another tip that I do is I always take an extra shirt with me because it seems like we hike up to elevation. It's cold up there, but I'm, I've am i sweated. And mm-hmm. so now I'm sweaty and the cold breeze is making it a lot colder. So I take an extra shirt. I put it in a dry bag. So just in case anything were to happen, that shirt's going to stay dry. But also if I'm taking off a sweaty shirt, I don't want to stuff that in my backpack, so I will put that in the dry bag so it's not getting everything else sweaty when I change out of it. Yeah, I try to do that, too. If I know that the 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 place I'm going to change has, has some privacy and, like, maybe a big rock to get behind when I take my shirt off because, yeah, no one wants to see that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you say right? No, yeah. no, I didn't. I was reading my notes. <laughs> I was ready to go on to the next oh, okay, topic. Okay, good. But okay. no, yeah, everyone would want to see that. Yeah, huh? yeah right. Yeah. Too late. Too yeah, little, okay. too late. <laughs> okay. One last tip here. Mm-hmm. I've been starting to take wool, and it used to be that it's just too itchy, but the wool shirts that they're making now are actually comfortable enough. You can wear them on your skin. So a lot of times that extra shirt will be a, a wool shirt. They are much more insulating. It makes a huge difference. Also, throw a wool beanie in your pack to keep your head warm. What is it they say? You you lose your body heat through your head, I believe. And, and that is true. <laughs> yep. Okay. I think we have covered the insulation part of our list. So moving on, the next one is illumination, which would include things like a flashlight or a lantern or a headlamp. We always keep headlamps with us. Always. A- anymore. Always. Uh, I will say, though, one emergency option, you don't want it to be your primary option, is a phone makes a good light. And you can, depending on how much battery you have, you can navigate a trail with the flashlight on your phone for quite a while. You wouldn't mm-hmm. use it as your primary light source. But, it, but in if, a pinch, if yeah, you had to. If you had to. Yeah, we always have our headlamps now because you just never know. I mean, you could set off for a a three-hour hike at 10 in the morning and expect to be done by 1 o'clock. And, boy, if you get lost or you get hurt or you get sick, there's a pretty wide scenario of things that could happen that you might be spending the night outside or at least be coming back after the sun has set. So I think that the headlamp is hugely important. Right. So a couple of tips on the headlamp thing or the flashlight thing. We have learned this by doing it wrong, that sometimes you pack the headlamp into your pack and it's stuffed in there and something has pushed the button turning it on. Then your headlamp goes out 
because, you know, four hours later, the batteries run out. So always carry extra batteries. But I put them in a little plastic bag so that they don't touch anything else in my backpack. Yeah. And we've mentioned before that we buy headlamps in bulk on Amazon and they're inexpensive, right? You don't have to spend a lot of money and get a hiking headlamp. We buy the Energizer. I think they're anywhere from 15 to 20 bucks, depending if they're on sale. Yeah. And actually, I think we both always have two in our backpack right. just because we are we overdo it on that one. Well, we've, we've learned by almost getting caught outside at, at night. The, the other lesson we learned was when we went on a cave tour, uh, the ranger, and, and this is an extreme situation, but those rangers, when they're in a cave, they will literally take five or six sources of light mm-hmm. into a cave because you're, you're in big trouble if you go into a cave and you lose your own source of light. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll never find your way out of the cave. <laughs> Our next category would be first aid supplies, um, basically a first aid kit. This is always a tough one because when you're home laying out the first aid kit or looking through them, it's hard to eliminate something from the, the first aid kit because you think, oh, I, I'm going to need that. I'm going to need this or that other thing. Then you put everything in the first aid kit you want, and it weighs 50 pounds. And so you have to make some decisions about what to take, what what not to take. And, of course, it depends on the length of the hike you're going on or the backpack mm-hmm. trip, right? I mean, we went on a backpack trip with friends, and the husband of the other couple is a doctor. And <laughs> We get to we get to camp and he pulls out. I think it was a twenty pound first aid kit because mm-hmm. he was ready to do surgery <laughs> in the back country. And fortunately, none of us needed surgery so on was, that trip. It was great that he had that. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that the things that we have used throughout the years are number one band aids, of course, because. We've all taken a tumble, you know, skin to knee. I think the other thing, too, is um, something to wipe away the blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the third thing I think is key is have some kind of uh, Tylenol, Advil, some kind of ibuprofen. That's really good to have. Yeah, and those minor bumps and bruises, scrapes, those, those kinds of things, you could probably just tough it out and make it through without anything. On the other extreme, what's good to carry and doesn't weigh very much is an Israeli bandage, which is essentially a a very efficient tourniquet, and you can buy them on Amazon. They're, They're not super expensive. And that way, if somebody truly has a gash or something where they're bleeding and you need to stop it, an Israeli bandage is great. It's an extreme situation, mm-hmm. but those things don't weigh a lot and are easy to just put in the bottom of the backpack and keep them there. Always better to be safe than sorry. One last tip, I think it would go in this category that uh, we've learned the hard way is now I start carrying in the summertime cold packs. These are little chemical activated cold packs that you would put on an injured ankle or injured knee, which is not why we carry them. We have been in places where we are on the verge of heat exhaustion, and that can get very serious very quickly. And if you have a cold pack, you can pop that thing, put it on the back of your neck, and you can bring somebody back from the eggs pretty quickly. They don't last super long, so you can't rely on it for like all day, but that's something to consider. Yeah, I always feel better when we're hiking in Utah and we have those in our packs. There are a lot of first aid kits available on Amazon from very small ones to very large ones. So you can uh, kind of shop around and see what is good for you and for the people that you're hiking with. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And the next one is fire, which would be things like matches, a lighter, and fire starters. I don't think we have ever been in a situation where we've had to start a fire. We've we've come close. You mean for an emergency for, purpose? For or? an emergency mm-hmm. purpose, yeah. right. 
but you want to be able to do this because if you're out somewhere and you realize, uh oh, we are spending the night here, boy, it could save your life to be able to start a fire. It's also something that that would signal for help right. if you're really in trouble. Now, I know it's popular because of all the survival shows and advertisements that people will carry a ferro rod. It's a little rod that you strike it and it creates sparks. And if you have that, which is waterproof, and a little tiny starter of some kind, and they make these little, actually they're, they're vegetable-based fire starters, then you could get a fire started just about anywhere, even in the rain. However, like with all of this stuff, you have to know how to use it. So if you carry a ferro rod with you because you saw it on TV or you saw an ad for it, you need to go into the backyard and practice it and practice it probably a couple times a year because if you're in an emergency situation, that's not when you want to pull the instructions out. Now you're making me worried because I haven't ever practiced that. <laughs> I know. You, <laughs> if something happened to you, I, I wouldn't even know probably what that was. <laughs> yeah, but if something had happened to me, you would just <laughs> crawl under my body. <laughs> Yes. And you would stay warm for a few more hours. <laughs> and I would wait for someone to come and find me. And, and get Act your get your <laughs> your compass out that get the compass out that points north and the you one that points point south. south. <laughs> and you'd have both of those. And I would be set. Yeah. All right. So that is good advice, Matt. I'm gonna be practicing that. Two other things when it comes to fire. For a long time I carried just a disposable butane lighter in my pack. What happens, kind of like the headlamp, is if you pack it in your stuff too tight and something is pushing on the button that starts the butane lighter, the butane will all leak out. And then you get to a point where you need the butane lighter and, it's, and you wonder, why is this empty, <laughs> right? So be careful of that. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing with regard to fire is, I always carry a small tool that you can use to cut branches. Oh, that's a good idea. Because so now you have your ferro rod and you're going to start a fire and you have nothing to burn. It's nice to have a little tool to cut little branches. It doesn't have to be a big one. I use a little gardening cutter that I got at Home Depot. Oh, that's a really good idea. The other thing, too, is... A lot of people might just pack matches in their backpacks, but um, you want to make sure that they're either waterproof or you put your matches in a waterproof container. That's yeah, hugely important. Yeah, get the ones that are made for this purpose. They have a little starter on them, but then they have the orange sulfur that goes halfway down the stick, and that keeps burning at a, at a high temperature so that it's easier to start a fire. And those usually come in a little waterproof container. Now with those, I, I will say they don't last forever. And with all this stuff, you know, check it regularly to make sure it's still good. And we should say too, that all public lands have fire regulations. So what we're talking about is emergency fire use, not just, oh gosh, we're going to stop here and have lunch and it would be nice to have a fire. A lot of places you cannot have fires. There are fire bans and things like that. So you want to make sure if you think you would like to have a fire for recreational purposes that you know the rules before you head off. Obviously, if you're in a life-threatening situation, then that is a, that's a different story. We are ready to move on. The next category is repair kit and tools. Karen, what tools do you carry with you? <laughs> well, Matt, I've got some duct tape. I have a knife. I have a screwdriver. I have scissors, you? You a multi-purpose tool. Do you? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. wine opener? <laughs> Actually, my wine opener is the only tool that I have. But it's a very important tool. It's a waiter's friend. So it has a foil cutter. It has the corkscrew. And it has a beer bottle opener. So three tools in one. Don't leave home without it. I don't think that's what this category <laughs> is focused on. Uh, I do carry duct tape with me at all times. I was a little confused by this category because a repair kit, what exactly are we repairing here? Well, you don't know. The duct tape is, you can repair almost anything with duct tape. You can also, also pretty much make anything. The problem, of course, with any of these things 
is you're not going to take a whole roll of duct tape because if you did, if you took a bunch of all these things, your pack would weigh 100 pounds. That's right. So you only take a, a small roll of duct tape. You can repair hiking boots. Yeah, I didn't think about that. We actually have heard of people who have blown out their shoes and then had to tape them back together. So that's a good point. And on the duct tape, we have been with people who use duct tape as a bandage. And I've always questioned this, but our doctor friend does this. One injury, it was a severe rash that was caused by rubbing and gauze over it and then duct tape over the gauze right onto the skin. So that's another that use. That sounds for it. painful. It, well, it's, it's painful, painful to, to come get, off. It's painful to come off, yeah. I, I could see the duct tape, a screwdriver. I'm I'm a little stumped on the screwdriver. I think what they mean by screwdriver, there are a lot of tools that are multi-purpose. Um, sometimes little credit cards that have all these things built in. Because you never know. Maybe you, you have a type of headlamp. You need to replace the battery or something, and it's really hard to get open, and the screwdriver would help you. There's there's a lot of reasons why you might need uh, different types of tools. And, of course, a knife. You oh, just need yeah. a knife because mm-hmm. it's the right thing yeah. to, to do <laughs> is to have a knife with you at all times. Definitely need a knife. All right, moving on to nutrition, which is uh, food, food that you should take on your hike. Preferably no cook, no spoiling food items that have good nutritional value so you can keep your energy high. Good nutritional value. (laughs) I know you always choose good (laughs) nutritional value items like Snickers candy bars. Pringles, Snickers, (laughs) and bacon jerky. Oh, the bacon jerky is the best. Mm -hmm. So forget what we Mm. said about the nutritional value. (laughs) You're looking for salt, salt, fat, and sugar. One thing to think about, though, if you're hiking in the summer and it's going to be warm. Think about the sun beating down on your backpack. Keep in mind that things are going to get heated up in there. I like to take granola bars. I've taken those really good kind bars that are like dipped in chocolate. And then I go to open them and they're just completely melted and they're a big mess. Also, we took a lot of grief when we wrote Dear Bob and Sue because we talked about all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that we ate on the trail. And there was a good reason for that. Yes, it's better than taking a tuna salad sandwich or an egg salad sandwich on a long hike because the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches hold up much, much better in all conditions. Essentially, they don't spoil. Right, no refrigeration. For the time frame we're talking about here. And so, yeah, that's, that's why we eat peanut butter and jelly when we hike. So yeah, the rest of it's kind of a personal preference, but you definitely want to have food with you. And I think that what they suggest is you eat throughout the hike to maintain your energy. Okay. So to complement your nutrition (laughs) and your food, you need hydration. That's our next category, water and some, some way to treat water if you don't have any. Yeah, I think the easiest thing, if you're going on a day hike and it's not a really long day hike, just take your own water and you don't have to worry about filtering or treating water. We usually take two small water bottles in our outside backpack pockets. What I think those are 14 ounces. They're 16 ounce. And then we fill up a really big one and put it inside our pack. And I think typically, you know, as long as we're not on a desert hike, that that suffices for us. But then, of course, you can bring stuff if if you know there will be water sources and you run out uh, things that you can filter and treat your water. The thing that I carry almost all the time, just in case, is a SteriPen. This is an electronic device. It creates a UV light that you apply for 45 to 90 seconds, depending on the size of the water bottle. It is electronic, and it can go out. So you can't rely on that 100%. I also carry a Life Straw filter. You get these life straws that it literally is a straw that you put into a water source and you suck the water through a filter. I have one that actually fits inside a water bottle so I could fill the water bottle up with unpurified water, screw it on, and then suck through the the filter so it's a little bit more convenient. Of course, it's not electronic, so it's not going to go out on you. 
And, yeah. we, and we've used those. Mm-hmm. We also like to carry this, uh, is, would you call it an electrolyte, the noon? It's N-U-U-N. Yeah, that, that's important because it's not just about water, but it's about sodium and potassium electrolytes that are in your system. Yeah, so we take those on very strenuous hikes. It also helps prevent, in our cases we found, it helps prevent leg cramps. Yeah. Um, so we will just throw in a, it's a tablet that dissolves and they have different flavors. We'll just throw one in our, our water sometimes when we're on a strenuous hike. And it does seem to make a difference, I think. It's all great to carry something that uh, helps you sterilize or purify water when you're on a hike. Of course, there are hikes where there is no water source. Mm-hmm. So that's not an option. So they definitely want to carry more water than you think you possibly would need. And I know it's a pain because it's heavy, but you do not want to get stuck out in the desert and not have enough water. We have done that. It is not fun. Right. And it's we, very scary. And we can't tell you how many times we have seen, and just recently in Death Valley, People hiking and they are carrying one water bottle that you would buy in the grocery store, like a 12-ouncer. They're carrying it in their hand, and that is the only thing they have with them. And we just look at them, and, is, and shivers run through our body. It's scary. Because, and, yeah. It, yeah, it's extremely dangerous, especially when desert hiking, to only have one little 12-ounce bottle of water. So anyway, that's our that's our lecture for today. <laughs> Take lots of water. So we have one last category, emergency shelter. Something to protect yourself if you do have to hunker down and stay in one spot for a while. Now, the things that are listed here are tent, space blanket, tarp, and bivy. Yeah, we always carry space blankets. Uh, Now, with the two of us, if we really had to make a shelter, we could probably make one out of two space blankets. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing about space blankets, you just want to warn people, is they don't last forever. Not too long ago, I pulled one out that I had been carrying for several years, and it fell apart in a million pieces when I took it out of the bag. So those things don't last forever. They're also not, it's not something that you can easily fold back up. They're kind of one-time use. And a lot of people have seen these at the end of marathons or 5K races. A lot of times they give these to runners where they're all covered in these mylar space blankets uh, to keep their body temperature in. As soon as they stop running, they're going to start getting cold. But yeah, always have one of those around Mm -hmm. and uh, make sure it's fairly new. Yeah, they're very lightweight, about the size of a credit card, you know, a little bit thicker. I just ordered a new supply for us on Amazon. I ordered four of them for six bucks. So really inexpensive. Order a bunch of them and then you'll just have them as backup as you need. And they do make a bivy, which is essentially like a very, very thin sleeping bag out of that same material. So if you're really in a tough situation, you have one of those space blanket bivvies and you got inside that, you, you would be you would be in pretty good shape temperature wise, probably overnight. Yeah. This is the end of the uh, 10 essentials list. And by the way, I was I looked it up because I was curious as to where this list came from. And apparently the Mountaineers, uh, which is a Seattle-based hiking group, they started circulating this list way back in the 1930s, and then they formalized it in the 1970s. But now, of course, the National Park Service is promoting this list because they want everyone to be safe, right? They they would rather not have to go out and rescue hikers who are lost or dehydrated or injured. Um, So they're hoping by publishing this list and talking about it that people will be prepared when they set out to hike. Even just reading through the list, it does help you think through what would happen what you would do if you're out on a hike and uh, things went bad. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to talk about, there are a few things that we always carry in our pack that were not on this list. And we'll just mention those briefly. I think we've talked about some of these before. Uh, One thing, now this is not a safety thing. This is a comfort thing, but something we always carry are our little Thermarest pads. We carry the small ones Mm -hmm. that are the size to sit on. And that's really their, their intention. Uh, they protect you against moisture. They just give you comfort if you have to, if all you have to sit on is a rock. But also, one side is reflective, so it does it will provide some 
uh, heat retention. It reflects body heat back towards you if, if that sides up. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a good little thing to have. And they weigh so little. We often see people carry the full-size ones, mm-hmm. uh, and that could serve as an emergency item. Sure. You could use it as a as a mattress to, to sleep on with yeah. your little space blanket over you, and you'd actually probably be pretty cozy with that. Yep. So we always have that. Another thing we always have in the summer, we have different uh, forms of bug spray and head nets also. And our bug spray varies from, like, I have a eucalyptus lemon oil to the way to that 100% DEET. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do carry these off towelettes that are single package and they're super lightweight, but I always carry one or two of those because I hate putting a lot of bug spray on me, but when the bugs are thick, it's really uh, important to have some kind of insect repellent. And oftentimes we have long sleeves on. And so that little towelette, I can put just a little tiny bit of insect repellent on the few areas they're exposed as opposed to putting this stuff all over my body. And even that towelette, sometimes I just hang it off the back of my backpack and it keeps the bugs away. Yeah, it it does work really well. Another thing, and we've talked about this a lot, so we won't go into great detail, but we frequently carry our bear spray with us. In Washington state, there are black bears, of course, you know, Yellowstone and Glacier, there are grizzlies. So we usually have our bear spray with us on hikes. And you have to be able to get to it quickly. Mm -hmm. It has to be within reach and you should know how to use it. Again, you do not want to be reading the instructions on the side of the bear spray while the bear's coming at you. Right. The other thing, too, it can serve as a self-defense. Yeah, personal protection. Personal protection device, as well as I think another really important thing to put in your pack is a whistle. I didn't see a whistle listed on any of these other 10 essentials. No, and that is important. What a lot of people don't realize is they already have a whistle on them. Most backpacks these days If you look at the sternum strap, so this is the little strap that goes across your chest to keep the, you know, the shoulder straps from spreading out. And if you look on that, the little clip that keeps the sternum strap together, almost every backpack now, that clip has a whistle built into it. And so the reason this is important is if you, if you get injured and you need a whistle, you might be injured so badly that you can't get into your pack. And this whistle on that sternum strap, you literally could just bend down and blow on it without even using your hands. So if your backpack doesn't have that on it, I strongly recommend that whistle get attached to your shoulder strap. So if you have to use it, it's close to your mouth already. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great tip. I just read last week here in Washington State about a hiker who was on a trail and heard a whistle blowing over and over again from this cliff face above where this person was hiking. So they went down, they got help, and someone had fallen and was injured and was just repeatedly blowing their whistle. But because of that, they were rescued. They're going to be fine. But, you know, you can only yell with your voice for so long, but a a whistle, it could save your life. When you hear a whistle on public land, National Park, National Monument, National Forest, that is a sign of emergency. Yeah. Uh, One more thing I'm going to mention that is, it's again, it's not necessary, but it's nice to have is a rain cover for your pack. Because if you're out hiking and yeah, you've got your raincoat, so you're going to stay dry, but everything in your pack is going to get soaked. So we usually stuff a rain cover weighs nothing into our packs and then if it starts raining we can we can cover our packs so we would we would recommend that as well and if for some reason you don't have a rain cover you can also use a dry bag uh, put your stuff in a dry bag inside your pack and that would also keep your mm-hmm. stuff dry yeah yeah now there was one thing on the 10 essentials mat yeah I think it should actually be 11 essentials because there was one glaring omission that I saw and that brings me to my toilet to go, which is sitting here next to my coffee. Uh-huh. So <laughs> Let's talk about have a this for a minute. They did not discuss in the 10 essentials about going to the bathroom. 
And they should because as popular as the public lands have become, this is a real problem. Huge. We did a hike last year in central Washington to a popular destination, and I read an article uh, a week before we went that a National Forest crew had gone on that trail to clean up, and they cleaned up in one weekend 200 piles of human waste close to the trail. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to go out, you have to know where you're going to go. Urination is not as bad. You shouldn't urinate close to uh, water sources unless you're kind of in a desert area. And we've talked about that before. But if you have to go, you should have a way to pack it out. That's right. So let's talk about this for a minute. We bought, the, they're called Toilet to Go. We we actually bought ours at Arches National Park because the ranger recommended them to everybody. I think it costs like six bucks. We each have one. It's a one-time use. It's it a, should it's be a, a one-time it's, use. <laughs> We don't recommend <laughs> so, reusing it. So basically, you poop in it, you seal it up, and you take it out with you. Uh, toilet to go. Everyone should have one in their pack. And then the other thing, too, is let's talk for a minute about toilet paper mm-hmm. because we see toilet paper everywhere. everywhere. And I think people are under the very misguided impression that toilet paper will dissolve when it rains. It yeah, doesn't. Yeah, about 100 years. Yeah, yeah. It it will stay there, and it's disgusting, and toilet paper weighs nothing to take out. So I know I've said this before. It doesn't have to be fancy. I have two Ziploc bags. One has toilet paper in it. The other one, I put the used toilet paper in. That's it. It is so simple. So a poop bag and something for toilet paper, and you are set. And then I would just add one last thing to that. When you have the used toilet paper bag, don't put them in the map pocket of the truck that you're riding in (laughs) and wait for your husband to to empty the map pocket (laughs) before the next trip. (laughs) No one would do that, Matt. I don't think that's that's necessary to say on this podcast because I can't imagine Uh anyone doing that. Oh, one more thing that... That you could also take, if you don't want to do the poop bag, the other thing you could take is a poop shovel. Okay, it's a sanitary (laughs) trowel. (laughs) Is that the official name? Because if you want to Google poop shovel, (laughs) you're not going to find the thing you need. You need a sanitary trowel. It weighs almost nothing. They're usually made out of plastic. Mm -hmm. And this is, if, if you absolutely can't pack it out, you need to dig a hole at least eight inches deep, and that's what you need the little trowel for, and then you do your business and you cover it back up, and that is not as good as packing it out, but it is certainly better than what a lot of people are doing these days is just going a few feet off the trail and letting Mm -hmm. somebody else clean it up later. Yeah, that's disgusting, and I know you've told me a thousand times (laughs) the sanitary trowel never touches the poop. No, it's just it's not, to dig the that's hole. Why, it's not like a cat poop no, scoop. No, you're not, you're not going and you're, then scooping right. it. You're, you're, you're digging the hole first, then placing the sanitary trowel a safe distance away, <laughs> doing your business and covering it back up. So, yeah, so that's the poop talk for today. So please, Great. please, please, let's and, all and try to. High note. Yeah. Um, when we first moved to Seattle and we started hiking in earnest, I did not have a backpack. And so Matt carried everything in his pack, everything, even my water. I'm embarrassed to say that. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but that's I'm true. I'm embarrassed that I did it. <laughs> It's so unlike you, (laughs) but it didn't last long. I mean, that was just maybe the first season of hiking. And once we got into it, then I got my own backpack. And so we would recommend that everybody have their own backpack and their own 10 essentials. And it's not a chivalry thing or anything like that. The reality is emergencies by nature are sometimes unpredictable, right? And you don't know why or what the circumstances are going to be that you need these things. And it could be that if somebody else has the first aid kit in their pack and they decide, oh, they're going to go for a short extra hike down to the creek 
and they get lost and you don't see them for another two days, then you don't have a first aid kit. That's right. If they were carrying your water, then you don't have water for the next two days. And so it's great if you can talk somebody into carrying your stuff. <laughs> but if, you know, if, if somebody else has your water, I would suggest never letting them leave your site. Otherwise, you no longer have water. So this is why we suggest really you have to carry your own emergency stuff. Yeah. And plus, just from a practical point of view, it's a pain in the neck to have to ask your, your hiking partner, hey, could I have my granola bar? Hey, I need my lip balm. Oh, it's a pain to hey. ask. <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's the reason why somebody else shouldn't carry your stuff, because it's a pain to ask for it, because it's really easy to carry the stuff for you. Especially the water up the mountain. <laughs> I'm just speaking from my own point of view. I know. <laughs> but I will say that once I got my own pack and I started customizing it with the things that I love and the things that I want to carry, it's a sense of pride. You know, it's my pack and I have in there what I need. And I, I don't know, I would just highly recommend that everybody, and even, I'd go as far as say, even if you're hiking with your kids, and I know we have a lot of people who listen to our podcast who have children that they take hiking, get a backpack for your kids. And and, it's a, and make them carry all your water. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you have kids. That's right. <laughs> Let them be the mules. <laughs> but it's a great it's a great teaching lesson, right? For right. them, they could have their own. They have uh, kid sized headlamps, and they could have their own water bottle. And so you could you could help them with the ten essentials for their pack. And then look, you have your cute family. Y'all have your packs, and you're setting off on a hike. Life is wonderful. A life is wonderful. We covered a lot of information on today's episode, and we'll post a link in our show notes to the National Park Service webpage that has a list of the 10 essentials. You can find our show notes at www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com. Click on the Episodes tab in the menu bar, and then click on the title for Episode 38. And don't forget to pencil in number 11, <laughs> Bathroom Supplies. Yes. <laughs> If you have a question for our monthly mailbag episode or a topic idea for a future episode, send us an email to mattandkarensmith at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on social media, go to facebook.com slash dearbobands, or you can find us and follow us on Instagram at mattandkarensmith. Wow, that's a lot. And if, <laughs> and if that's not enough, <laughs> if you haven't read our Dear Bob and Sue books yet, they're packed with information and stories about our visits to the public lands with a lot more details than we can cover in our podcast episodes. There are three of them in the series, and you can buy the paperback, the Kindle version, or the audiobook on Amazon.com. Just search Dear Bob and Sue. Also, let's not forget our Dory's Hope book. Just going to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Dory's Hope. Mm -hmm. Okay. Please, please buy Dory's Hope, too. <laughs> You'll love it. <laughs> our show is produced by our immensely talented team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our cover artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to go out into the backyard and practice my fire-starting skills with a ferro rod. I didn't know you have a ferro rod. <laughs> Do you have one? No, we, we just have one between us. It's, uh, we share it, oh, right? It's I see. our fair right. rod. Good luck finding it. 